Have you ever wondered if diet plays a role in your child's ability to handle themselves, to sleep, maybe even their cognitive ability? I'm not the pro at this, but I do have a belief that maybe some of the stuff we put in and around our child truly does affect them. Here's the thing, though. I know that plenty of other people out there are wondering the same thing, because every time I open my phone, turn on my laptop, or even just walk down the grocery store aisle, I feel there's some article screaming at me that the food we put in our child and the products we're putting around our children is toxic to them. It's harmful. And you know what? There's probably truth behind all of that. I don't know. That's why I'm interviewing Dr. Emily Gutierrez today to try to dig deeper into the understanding of what we surround our child with and what we put into our child if it truly does affect our child. And if it does, what can we do different as parents? What options are there as parents when we're trying to get through our daily lives? There's a lot of questions we have as parents. And most of the time, we're just trying to make it through the day without ourselves melting down. So what do we do? How do we support our kids? That's what this episode's all about. Welcome to Parenting That Kid. My name is Ashley Tolliver. As a mom of twins, one being a highly sensitive child who responds to the world in a non-traditional and sometimes challenging way, I understand the desire to find the golden answer. Maybe there is no golden answer, but there are resources, tips, and tricks we can all use to help us make this uniquely normal parenting journey a little more fun. This podcast is a roadmap to parenting that kid for myself and other parents. If recording my journey as I seek a clear starting point, community, and effort to normalize what sometimes feels abnormal supports at least one parent, then my time is not wasted. And hey, if it doesn't, well, there's documented proof that moms deserve a glass of wine. Cheers! On today's episode of Parenting That Kid, I am thrilled to be interviewing Dr. Emily Gutierrez. Here's a little information about Dr. Gutierrez. I think you're going to see why this is going to be a power-punched episode. Dr. Emily Gutierrez received her doctorate from the John Hopkins University as a doctor of nursing practice. She is a certified pediatric nurse practitioner and mental health specialist, and a certified practitioner through the Institute of Functional Medicine. She co-owns and operates one of the first pediatric functional medicine practices in the country, Neuronutrition Associates, where her and her partner specialize in children with neurodevelopmental delays and all things pediatric function. Dr. Gutierrez recently wrote a book, The Parent's Roadmap to Autism, A Functional Medicine Approach, which hit Amazon's bestseller within 48 hours. This book helps families with children on the spectrum navigate through how to apply functional medicine principles to their child's journey of development. So please, without further ado, let me welcome Dr. Gutierrez to the show. And parents, I encourage you to take some notes because I think you're going to learn a few tips here that you might just be able to take with you throughout your daily life. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm super excited. I actually received a recommendation for you quite a while ago, and um, we were focusing on other things with my child, and now you're on our list to see, hopefully, in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I personally have seen somebody, and I want somebody who can focus on kids. Um, yes. So... And my son is in desperate need. Um, so you're on our list. But your name keeps popping up through my community. My kids go to the Austin Waldorf School. Yeah. Yeah. And so your name pops up periodically. And I'm like, yeah, I should really talk to her. People are bragging about her. So. 
Oh, that's so awesome. I love, I love parents at the Waldorf. Yeah. Definitely parents that are, you know, embracing a different paradigm of healthcare. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I went there myself and um, now my kid's going there. It's fun to be a part of a community that wants to look at the human body as like this whole area, this holistic view. And it's so much fun. So much fun. Awesome. Yeah. So can you tell me, what do you do? What's, if you were going to just give somebody in layman's term, what you do, because again, as we said, words can be a lot. What is it that you do and how do you support um, a family or a kid in exactly your focus of health? Well, it is very, um, it's very different than medicine that you're typically used to. So the typical doctor's visit is you go in and your child has a symptom. And based on that symptom, we give it a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. That's what we're trained to do is, you know, different symptoms like big red throat with fever and malaise or fatigue. You know, you have this differential, which is, you know, could it be Epstein-Barr or mono or strep throat? And then based on how we give something a diagnosis is that you choose the treatment. Mm -hmm. And that works fantastic for acute care, for things like the flu and strep throat and a broken arm. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to more chronic issues, such as irritable bowels or depression or OCD, we still have these diagnostic tools to say, okay, what is this? But we're also just managing the symptoms. Okay, you have depression, then we're going to give you Prozac. If you have OCD, we might, you know, give you Zoloft at a higher dose. Mm -hmm. So it's managing the symptoms. And what I do in functional medicine is I really want to understand the source. So why do you have OCD? Why do you have depression? When did it start? What are the other things going on with your lifestyle, with your environment, with your sleep, with your gut, with your nutrition? So in functional medicine, we really ask the question, why? Why do you have these symptoms? And when you ask that question, often you can get to different answers of how you were going to treat it. So in a nutshell, I treat pediatrics primarily. I have a few families that I work for as a family, but I like to refer to the adult specialist most of the time. Mm -hmm. um, but I do things a little differently because I am trying to manage chronic disease as in trying to understand the source of it rather than just managing the symptoms. And that is functional medicine in a nutshell. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's very clear. And it makes it, um, it, that gives it a balance. Like you said, it's, the other is great for acute, but having the underlying cause being supported and working with that gives the body a balance. And it's beautiful. Yes. And let me be clear about this too, because yeah. it, we don't always find exactly what the source is. Okay. So if you come to a functional medicine provider, you know, they are going to put in this systems based bio biological approach to trying to understand what the source is. And in my line of work, you know, about 90 to 95% of the time we really, really um, find the source and eradicate the chronic symptoms but it doesn't always happen 100% of the time. But I always promise my patients, no matter what, I'm going to do my due diligence in looking to see where we could dis discover the source of your symptoms. Mm -hmm. So that's my promise to my patients is mm -hmm. I'm going to try my absolute best by applying the principles of functional medicine to try to get to the source 
and in a very, very large majority of the time, were able to eradicate what um, they came in for me in the first place. Nice. So then do you see a shift in, or do your patients see a shift in all of their lives, the areas of their lives, not just what you're focusing on? Do they start to notice um, emotionally, maybe even physically, that things are starting to shift as you care for them? You might be focusing on one area, but it, does it start to turn around that their whole life kind of makes this shift? Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, someone will come in for chronic bowel issues and then by the time we're done working with them, you know, their kid isn't tantruming as much or they're sleeping better all of a sudden or their development in school has taken off. So, you know, that's the thing is a system imbalance. And when I talk about system, you know, is it your neurological system or your endocrine system or your gastrointestinal system? When you have an imbalance in one place, it can have a totalitarian effect on your body. So it doesn't just stay in the gut because everything is connected. Our systems are connected. And therefore, you know, the origin of the um, imbalance can affect so many different things about your physicality. Mm -hmm. Like, a very, very common example is eczema. A lot of kids, you know, have eczema, which is that dry, itchy skin that, you know, is this chronic rash that you can have starting early in infancy. And really, I even saw, you know, a very, an older patient a couple of days ago that has chronic eczema. Hmm. So, you know, that to me is, has nothing to do with the skin. It is, there's a big underlying source and often it comes from the gut. Often it comes from somebody who's putting in something that they shouldn't into their gut or that there's another dysbiosis or imbalance of bacteria that's there that really needs to be balanced in order for their skin to clear. Hmm. Hmm. I like that. You're right. And we, we do look at the skin because that's the symptom that we see. Yes. Um, which is the uncomfortable and of course needs to be looked at as well, but starting with that underlying area. Um, So who's your ideal client? You said you work with pediatrics or children mostly. Do you have some area that you really love focusing on or that you find that you're focusing on in the body or is it just anybody who walks through your door? You know what I, I think one of my, I have several things that I really, really love to treat. Yeah. I think my ideal client is, number one, somebody that is motivated for change. So that is, that can be the hardest part of, I think anybody that works in functional medicines work. If you're not ready for change, then your therapies are going to be limited. For instance, if you come through my door and you do have eczema and I find out that you're allergic to eggs, but you just absolutely love your omelets every day and your (laughs) breakfast tacos and you are not willing to give up eggs. Mm -hmm. Well, our, our work together is going to be limited. Mm-hmm. So number one, we need patients that are ready to change and ready to take care of themselves. And second to that, probably one of the best things that I love seeing turned around is somebody that's dealing with emotional stress. Mm-hmm. So those kids that are coming in with depression or anxiety or obsessive compulsive disorder you know, we do a lot of work around kids that have emotional issues, in addition to a lot of work with kids on the autism spectrum. Beautiful. Wow. How does, um, how does somebody 
even know to come to you if that's if they're dealing with a child at home that's got a lot of emotional or even an autism are these are you recommended by other pediatricians or by pediatricians or are you a google search how do most people know that you're the next step for them well that's a good question so <laughs> hopefully you can find us on google um but also we get referrals from psychiatrists okay. and um, the developmental pediatrician here in Austin refers to us. Okay. Some pediatricians refer to us. And, you know, our biggest referral source is from our success stories from our patients. Mm -hmm. So they'll have a success and they'll say, gosh, you know, we came in with this and we're doing so much better. You know, you really should go see Dr. Gutierrez mm -hmm. or Jana. Um, so our, our patients are our champions. Mm -hmm. the, those are our biggest source of referral. But hopefully you can find us on the internet at Neuro Nutrition Associates. Um, and then, yeah, I think that's about it. Awesome. And what does care look like for you? So, because it is, it's such a shift of, of a way to look at how we care for our bodies. Um, what does that look like at a general doctor's office? You go in, the nurse takes your vitals, you sit down, you tell them your symptoms, here's a prescription, and then you're on your way. What does that entail for you if a parent were to walk in with their child and give you their story? How long is somebody with you? What is the treatment course? generally look like as we are all specific to our own treatments, but in general. Sure. I love it that you just said that because working with precision medicine or really looking at the individual, there are no protocols. <laughs> there is no, you know, what do you do for, what's your, what's your go-tos for depression? Right. So it, cause it all depends on the person. You know, if you're really looking at the sample size of the the story is one so in medicine we've been trained that we should look at very large cohorts of people mm -hmm. so if it has a large sample size and it was a randomized placebo controlled trial then we should give it more credence on which therapy we choose for what diagnosis but when you start looking at precision medicine or the sample size of the story is your patient then you have to look at, there's too many variables. There's absolutely no way you can do a randomized placebo-controlled trial on somebody's environment and uh -huh. diet and you know social-emotional impact and gut and immune system and so on. So we take everybody into account within their own individual context. So how that looks is if somebody wants to come and see us, They'll call and set up an appointment. We'll give them some paperwork to fill out beforehand. But I don't even really want them to fill out a lot of their history because I want to get that history face-to-face -face during our first initial visit. Mm. So when we sit down on our first initial visit, you know, we'll go through the story. You know, what was preconception? What was conception in, you know, pregnancy life? What was birth in that first year like? Are they meeting their milestones? Did they have delayed milestones? Have we had any major illnesses or hospitalizations? We go through what has worked and what the failures have been. And then we come up with a plan on how can we evaluate where we are the best, which typically means we do some labs. Um, or if a family is limited with finances, we can always make changes without having to do labs. However, labs can be really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, we gather, um, we make an assessment of where the, the family is at, and then we'll make treatment uh, recommendations. So 
you know, usually after that first initial visit, we'll have a series of labs that the family will go off and do either with blood or urine or sometimes even with genetics. And then we'll gather that information. They'll come back and sit down with us. We'll review how all the pieces fit together, and then we'll put together a plan of care. And that plan of care will be everything from lifestyle recommendations to diet changes, possibly some medications if we're having to work with something that we need to take out of the body, like you know a fungus overgrowth or a heavy metal that's in there. And then we'll work on repleting you know, what the body really needs. So we will use a lot of nutritional supplementation as well. So in a nutshell, we take out what you don't need and we help you put back in what you do. Wow, that's... That's extensive. That's wonderful. So I, I would guess your labs are probably more detailed than just going to your pediatrician and getting your regular CBC done. And <laughs> yeah, it's it, and that's not the fault of the pediatrician because you know that's how we're trained. Mm-hmm. I worked with the pediatrician in Austin here for about four years, and you know I saw primary care patients, and that's what we did. We were trained not to do labs mm-hmm. when you're working at, unless the child is incredibly acutely ill, Mm -hmm. you might look at labs or you might look at labs every few years just to check in on some very basic things. But when you're seeing 30, 20 to 30 patients a day, it's very hard to, to dive deep. And when we dive deep in functional medicine, we do use labs. So we might use, you know, the common labs that your pediatrician might use that lab company but in functional medicine, there's a lot of advanced lab testing that the technology is 10 times ahead of what mainstream is using. And the reason for that is insurance typically dictates what they'll pay yeah. for. Yes. <laughs> so we'll go through CPL or Quest or LabCorp because, you know, we'll try to get things done as much through insurance as we possibly can. But that is also what the pediatrician is using because that they know that you know the insurance will use that lab and if we jump over to some type of specialty lab you know it could be an out of pocket cost yeah yeah wow but that also gives you it's almost like an open book to that client because you're getting so deep and rich into who they are Oh yeah. It's like, I like telling my teenage boys because they seem to get this. It's like biohacking. We're really dialing in. We're not looking at you macroscopically, only macroscopically from the, you know, big picture view, but I want to dial in and I want to understand your genetic composition. I want to understand your biochemistry. I want to understand you know, what the microbes are doing in your intestines. So we do, we gather a lot of great information that is on, you know, not multiple views when looking at the body. So you just mentioned again, your intestine and you've mentioned previously gut and I have done extensive research on gut because I'm a firm believer in that our gut is just like the core of who we are and it can alter things. And I give the example to friends all the time, but when you're hungry, you get hangry. And that's just a very basic example of how our gut is dictating our emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, can you dive in a little bit more on that and how that affects maybe, I'm going to say children just because that's, you work with children a lot, but how that can um, affect their emotional well-being along with other areas of their life, of course. 
Sure. I love that example of being hangry. It's a good one. I'm going to have to use that in the future with some of my patients. <laughs> but I also like to use the example of, you know, getting butterflies in your stomach. Yeah. So most people understand, even if they're four, you know, I'll ask a four-year-old, if you're nervous and you get butterflies in your stomach, do you really have butterflies in your stomach? And they're, mm-hmm. you know, at four, they might actually think they have butterflies in their stomach. <laughs> but typically, it's just a good example of that a thought can become a feeling or I'm sorry, a thought can become a feeling within your gut, Mm -hmm. but also different gut imbalances can also affect the way that you're thinking. Mm -hmm. There's the vagus nerve that's innervated from the bottom of your brain and it it basically hugs your intestines. And there's this bi-directional communication happening all the time of giving signals um, to and from. So if you have someone that has an intestinal microbiome that is incredibly out of balance, you're way more likely to have things like depression, anxiety, fatigue, etc. They've actually even done studies to show that people that have anger issues or people that get angry and they secrete what we call catecholamines, things like epinephrine, norepinephrine, and dopamine. When we have a catecholamine surge, it actually flares different um, strains of bacteria within your gut. Hmm. So it's like it's feeding those microbes on a level that we're just really at the brink of starting to understand. Wow. Wow. That <laughs> I'm thinking of my own son right now because that's something we're dealing with a lot of. Um, I wouldn't say anger. Well, he's five. So there is, <laughs> there's anger intertwined with being five, but a lot of emotional, just strong impact in everything he feels. And then his reaction can be very strong. And mm-hmm. we've noticed for him, removing gluten and we're very strict on his diet. We don't do dairy, things like that. And when he does go and have that, it is the rest of the day and the next few days, we have to really work on cleaning out his gut again and supporting it. Um, and I think that's what made me start researching gut. I'm like, what is going on? Oh, yeah. And, and definitely, you know, some of the top allergic foods are gluten and dairy. I would say that's number one and number two. But another thing that children that are around this age really, you can see major impact from is, is food dyes and colors. Yeah. So especially that red dye and that blue dye and the <laughs> that makes that purple dye even more. So, but you know, it is really impactful um, to some children and often, you know, they're dismissed by saying that like, oh, they're the crazy parent at the party. So please don't let him have that blue cupcake, you know, (laughs) but the truth is, you know, you're going to suffer with your child for the next couple of days and you're the one having to mop it up. Yep. And, and, you know, in the end, it's not what's best for him because then he has a flare in his behavior and then you're having to go down the correction route. And over time, kids that have this intensity and these failures over and over again, they start to get a message that's laid down that what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. I'm not good enough to be in this situation. What's wrong with my behavior? You know, in, in a five-year-old, they can really start to internalize things that are never intentional from the parent, but it is just what's you know happening over and over again. So if you can control the intensity and the emotional response through simply saying, "Hey, you know, I'm going to feed you something else that is equally as delicious, but it's going to nourish you and not cause an inflammatory stress in your body," 
I mean, good for you as a parent. Mm -hmm. And it is, it's a struggle as a parent to find those, especially now because we're always on the go, um, to find the, the things without all of that stuff in it. But you're speaking to my mommy heart on that. It is, you become the awkward one at the birthday party, but the next four days you will regret that you ha let them have that cupcake or that piece of whatever. Yes, absolutely. And it's, it's hard, you know, when you're, we're, we live in a, a society of convenience, mm -hmm. you know, you can go into the convenience store, you can go through the drive through, but you're right, you know, what you can get more lucky in Austin, because we actually have some pretty yeah. good grabbing and go places. Yeah, we do. But for the majority of people, it's, it's hard to find healthy food on the go, especially when you're traveling. So you know, I, I think the old saying that um, fail to plan and plan to fail really <laughs> comes, into, comes into mind because, you know, you just have to try to be as mindful as possible and plan ahead and pack your snacks and mm -hmm. get things that, you know, or are um, easy on the go. And, you know, that can be helpful if you do that. Yeah, absolutely. It's planning ahead. So then that would lead me to, this is probably a whole family adjustment. I can't sit in front of my kid and eat X, Y, Z, knowing that he, <laughs> he can't. Do you work with the family unit and, and kind of share and support in that area that this is the family making a lifestyle change? Yes. And I love that you asked me that question because it's often that uh, only a mom will come in and bring their kids to me and either the dad's at work or even sometimes the dad is just not on board at all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, over time I win the dad over <laughs> and I really think that skepticism is a healthy thing. Mm -hmm. I think that everybody should, you know, come into a new situation with the, with the openness for belief, but also to be cautious, mm -hmm. um, especially for parents that have kids on the spectrum, because there's all kinds of really interesting things that people are doing out there that um, also make them a lot of money and aren't very effective. Mm -hmm. But when a child starts with me, it is, you know, the parent, it makes a lot of reflection on what the parents are doing with their own diet. And they have to be humbled enough and ready enough to say, you know, we're going to make this change. And this change is going to be um, everything in our house. You know, it's going to be something that when we go out to eat, I'm not going to get, you know, pizza followed up with, you know, a Dr. Pepper and some ice cream and, you know, tell my kid on the menu, he can only have the, you know, grilled chicken and, you know, water. It's not going to happen. So right. it does reflect on the parent's diet a lot. And it parents do have to be ready for a change. and you know, even not only parents, but if that child is going to grandma's on the weekend and mm -hmm. grandparents equate sugar and food with love, <laughs> so they just can sabotage parents like you wouldn't <laughs> believe. And I see it over and over and over again. And it is not because they want to harm that child. It's because they believe that they're honestly loving them by yeah. giving them, you know, we went to, you know, ate you know, Swedish fish all weekend long, right? You know, mom and <laughs> Hard to have a weekend. Um, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> you know everybody needs to be on board for yeah. sure because your your kids are watching you. Absolutely. Whether you want them to or not, they are watching you. And your teenagers, even though they're brooding in their room or they don't want to spend time with, they're still watching what you're doing. <laughs> so as parents, we have to be. We have to practice what we preach, and we have to be um, on board as a family unit. Yeah. Uh, 
I'll tell you a story that's funny is, well, I look back and I, and I think about the struggle that we had. The first conference I ever went to, to the Institute of Functional Medicine, you kind of come into the Institute with this week long on campus um, event where you're in, in, you know, you do five days of learning and it is intense. Wow. Yeah. And it is, you're learning things that you're just having an aha moment time and you know speaker after speaker after speaker it is truly life-changing when I went to my first event I came home and you know my husband likes to drink monster and (laughs) you know get fat-free chips and all of this stuff and I just I went into my refrigerator and took everything out and I threw it all in the trash and I had so much resistance from my husband Mm -hmm. and so many tantrums for my kids. Mom's gone crazy. You know, we don't have anything to eat. What are you doing? So it was, you know, I was an all or nothing kind of gal. I was like, I, I know new information now and we're just not going down this inflammatory highway anymore. We're making yeah. So, you know, now they, now my son won't touch anything that isn't super healthy for him. Um, and he's, you know, he does really, really well. My, 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 my daughter still loves her sugar. So we work on that. Um, but we're, you know, generally you're not going to come to my house and find anything that's, um, an inflammatory mess if you were to eat it. Right. <laughs> I love that story. I mean, that makes you real. <laughs> Yeah, boy, but it was, you know, I was the crazy person at first. So, and I I remember that too. The first time I saw functional medicine doctor, I was like, we're done with everything. And, and then I didn't know what to replenish it with. I I hadn't gone to plan B. (laughs) We'll just eat air. Yeah. I love it. Well, you really can't, for most people, you really can't go wrong if you eat a fruit or a vegetable. That's a good tip. You really can't. If you, when in doubt, you don't know what to eat, eat fruits and vegetables you know, and most people can tolerate most forms of protein like chicken and beef and, um, pork, but yeah, that's a really good tip to take home because especially if you're brand new into functional medicine, it's, um, it can be a little intimidating. Actually, it was very intimidating and trying to switch the whole family over at one time. And as you said, your daughter's still and wants a little bit of sugar. It's just hard to get the whole family on board and everybody's just a hundred percent so that finding the things that you're okay with, like you said, fruits and vegetables, it's a good tip to just win in doubt. You can always grab that. Yes. And then also there, there's also this balance that we have to be really mindful of because, you know, you're going to have times where you went to the movies and you ate the popcorn, mm-hmm. you know, that's probably GMO and covered with, you know, <laughs> terrible oil. That's, but you know what, at times it's not, it can't be all or nothing because right. Also, as parents, we don't want to create an, an, you know, disordered eating with our children. So, you know, you have to really um, think about balance. And, you know, if, if somebody has, if, if somebody goes away to a sleepover and comes back with, you know, diarrhea and they, you know, have Cheeto fingers and, it, you know, they stayed up all night eating, you know, cotton candy, <laughs> okay. You know, it, 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 there shouldn't be shame and guilt and all kinds of things that come with that. It's like, well, you know, if they're sick and they're having diarrhea or they're not feeling good the next day, it's an opportunity mm-hmm. for a parent to say, you know, let's, let's think back, you know, why do you think you could be feeling this way? What could we be done a little bit different? Mm-hmm. Um, but not to shame them or not to make them 
you know, think, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to go to the hospital now. So we don't want to create fear either. Right. We want to model healthy balance. And that's teaching them to take their wellness into their own hands, which is oh, so important. Oh, it's so powerful. Yeah. It's so powerful. I think that, you know, teenagers are in particularly the, the one that I love to see it happen. You know, mm-hmm. I had a patient last week say, you have a teenage boy and he was like, why am I taking all these vitamins, mom? I just don't understand. I'm just trying to take any of these again. And you know, you can't force them down his throat and make him do it. And mom was giggling and she said, so I just let him, I just let him not do it. And within a week, he was all over the place. His anxiety <laughs> was high. He couldn't sit and focus. He, and, and it was an opportunity for her to teach him, you know, yeah, when you take vitamins, it's not like an Advil that you feel better 30 minutes later. Right. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, consistency over time can make some really big, a really big impact on your health. And sometimes when you go off of the regimen and you fall out of line, it's a good lesson to say, okay, well, how was I really feeling before? I actually was feeling a whole lot better than I thought I was. Mm-hmm. So it's an opportunity for that teenage boy to say, yeah, I really actually do want to take my vitamins. Can you please refill them for me? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And then they learn. Yeah. So you mentioned the spectrum a few times, and I think <clears throat> I hear that a lot of autism and the spectrum, those words tend to pop up throughout my day, just what I'm focusing on. Can you talk to me a little bit about working with children who are on the spectrum, maybe working with other professionals? And then I know you wrote a book, Parents Roadmap to Autism. I would love to hear a little bit about that as well. Yes. Well, thanks for asking about our book. You know, we just published it about a month ago and it's been a wild ride. We worked for a couple of a couple of years on writing the book and we wanted to write this book because we wanted to just show and illuminate that when applying functional medicine to the autism spectrum it can it can yield dramatic and profound effects hmm. so you know it doesn't mean that we're going to cure everybody that has an autistic child but we have seen in our practice when you turn around their gut and their environment and their toxicity and you support their genetics man you can see some tremendous developmental improvements children that didn't talk can start talking hmm children that had chronic diarrhea and were not potty trained at six, you know, or eight get potty trained, you know, they're putting together um, more concepts, their irritability and their stimming goes down. It's really impactful um, what it can do to balance their body. And there's a lot of themes in autism, things that you see over and over and over again with kids on the spectrum, like, you know, someone having a, irritable bowels and an overgrowth of a bacteria called clostridia. Um, a lot of kids on the spectrum have a lot of deficiencies in certain types of folate or uh, different problems with uh, absorbing different types of vitamins. They might need a different route of vitamin absorption. Say maybe their gut isn't um, sophisticated with their intrinsic factors at absorption of B12. So there's these things, the book is written like five really big core areas with your immune system, your gut, your nutrition, your toxicity, and your genetics on what are some of the big common things that we see and how are some of the tools or what are some of the tools that you can do to support your child so they can make um, some developmental progress. And 
unfortunately, you know, we, I know that we were one of the first or the second pediatric functional medicine practice to open up in the state of Texas. And, and I believe we might've even been the first or second in the United States. Wow. So there's not a lot of functional medicine providers that really, really, really focus particularly on children. So access to care is so incredibly poor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then access to care is poor too, because you know insurance doesn't reimburse our services. So you have to really be financially prepared to come in and, and spend some, you know, it's an investment to spend some time really getting your child um, to where they need to be. And, you know, sometimes there's out-of-pocket testing with labs, et cetera. So access to care is poor. So that's why we wanted to write this book to put out the message um, for some hope for healing. And then in the meantime, what we also have decided that we were going to try out and do a trial of is we also put some of the labs that you can do with your child on our website. So you can actually go on our website and look under our, our store. We have a lab section. So some of the things like organic acids or a stool study or a heavy metal panel, they're on there for anybody, whether you're in you know North Carolina or you're in Waco, Texas, you can buy and get those labs, which we were talking about before, are the really kind of specialized functional medicine labs that are hard to get otherwise. So... We're just trying to bring access to care um, because it's probably one of the most rewarding things that we treat because of how we can see um, kids really, really improving. Yeah, yeah, because the um, the few children I know that are on the autism scale, um, it's very obvious in the areas. And I would assume, and this is just an assumption, that by helping them along the way, you can actually see the shift versus if it was just a child who is struggling emotionally, but you're like, is that an age thing? Is that they're really struggling emotionally and autism? You can, there are key areas to go that is on this scale. Yeah. And you know, the spectrum is large Mm -hmm. and it is, the number of kids on the spectrum is growing every year. There is a standard kind of one out of 36 now. Wow. Say, um, and it's more so in boys than girls. Huh. But actually, that that number has grown every single year mm. exponentially. Mm. If you look at the curve on a graph; it's just draw dropping to see how many kids now um, are diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. And even kids that have really severe ADHD are now considered on the high end of the spectrum as well. Hmm. So it's, it's daunting. And, you know, the shift for the increase, my gut tells me, and there's not one, you know, candid right answer to this, but my gut tells me it's because we live in a more and more toxic environment. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I love the labs. I didn't know that. That is, wow, that's really amazing. And that's fabulous that you guys are giving those resources out. If there were three tips that you could give or three little takeaways that you could give people before they come and see you, or maybe they can't, you talked about the care is just really poor because there's just not many people doing what you're doing. What would those three tips be for somebody at home going, I really would love my child to experience this. We either haven't made an appointment or we just don't know yet how we can do that. Do you have some things that they could try at home or start doing at home? 
Sure. Well, in addition to having those labs, I also, we've been playing around with learning modules. So we have some learning modules on our website too now, and they're, they're pretty reasonably priced. I think they're $49 for a module. Nice. And I basically go over the areas of the immune system and the gut and, you know, all of the kind of core areas in functional medicine. Um, but they're applied to autism right now. Um, but really anybody with anything chronic will get something out of those modules if you, you know, want to, if you have a big core area with your kids, so say that they are always getting sick. So I would go and listen to the uh, immune module and I give several tips on, you know, what works for, you know, dosing vitamin D and what are some different herbs and, you know, what are some key takeaways for, for kids struggling with immunodeficiencies or immune issues. But regardless of the learning modules, you know, one of the biggest, biggest things that anybody can do is just start to pay attention to their diet. Mm-hmm. So many times people will come into us and kids are eating three foods and they're all beige, uh-huh. you know, and parents will go out to eat and they'll only go to this certain place because they only have that certain type of macaroni and cheese, um, you know, and they just cater to their kids in a way that is you know, loving in one part, because I know that they're wanting to decrease stress and please their child. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, you know, their inability to, to stand and be the parent is really, um, you know, causing their child more stress than they even realize. Mm -hmm. So I would say first is, you know, do a pantry, um, go into your pantry and look and say, okay, what has dye in it? What is artificial? What is packaged and processed? What can I start to get rid of? And if you're not going to be like me, which is like, I'm an all or nothing kind of gal when it comes to, I I feel you. (laughs) When I cleaned out my pantry, I'm not an all or nothing gal when it comes to food completely. Cause I will have, you know, my daughter wanted to make, not surprisingly with her sugar stuff, gluten-free brownies. So we did that, you know, a couple of nights ago and I had one brownie and Everybody in the house had a little tiny brownie, and then I threw the rest of the pan away. So I'm not all or nothing, and I definitely don't want that to come across. However, when you know, when I'm going to buy food to place in the home, I just, you know, if that lettuce isn't organic, I'm just not going to eat lettuce that day because it has so many pesticides on it. Yeah. So I would say do a, a pantry assessment, see what you get rid of. If all or nothing isn't your thing, then just start one week, one week, one item at a time, start replacing it with something Mm -hmm. else. And then, you know, you can also um, go into the environmental working group. They have this great list called the dirty dozen Mm -hmm. here. They do a shakedown and they tell us, okay, what has the most pesticide at home Um, or in the, the supermarket? So you know, typically things that are porous like strawberries or apples are always on the list and potatoes. So go and look at that list and just say, okay, from now, I know it's expensive to buy organic, but at least these 12 things we're not going to eat in our home unless they're organic. Mm -hmm. So you immediately start to reduce the pesticide load. I like that. And then last thing, I just would encourage families to move together. So moving, sweating, moving your body, getting your kids off of their screen that they want to be on, 
17 hours a day. You know, the American Academy of Pediatrics says that we should allow our kids to have two hours or less of screen time a day. And for most families, they're getting about five times that. Oh. So it's, it's very, very common. And the older you get and the older your kids get, the more they have autonomy with their own devices, the more you're going to be having that battle. So, you know, you got to be mindful of the screen. You got to be mindful of what your child is putting in, the messages that they're getting through the screen every day. And you got to be mindful of movement. Mm. You know, if you're not exercising, if you're not getting out for a walk, why is your child going to go outside and play, you know? So move together as a family, do things that are active so you can get sweating because sweating is part of detoxification and being healthy. Mm. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Those are great three tangible tips that any, anybody can start at home with. You mentioned the EWG Environmental Working Group. They have a wonderful app. I love their app and I use it for when we're buying just products in our house because of all of the stuff that's in products and you can go and search each item. And that's how we started clearing out things in our house when it came to cleaning supplies and shampoos and soaps um, and noticed a huge difference. In fact, now if I even use a hand sanitizer somewhere else, I actually have a reaction to it where before I started detoxing my body out of it, it didn't bother me. Um, but I also yeah. felt really gross before we started all this detox process for us. Um, yeah. And that's a really interesting thing that you bring up because it's like your body always has this set point called homeostasis mm -hmm. where it's trying to get back to even, even, even. So when you have a constant inflammatory stress that's going on, your body creates a particular tolerance and not a tolerance in a good way, but a tolerance of you don't feel the inflammatory stress like you do once you take it out. Mm -hmm. So for instance, you know, some people will say to me, well, I took away gluten and then, you know, now I try to eat it again and I'm allergic to it. I actually think not eating gluten made me allergic, which you have to understand the physiology behind that because once you take out something that is inflammatory, whether it be from something you're putting on your skin, you're breathing in, you're putting into your body through food or through you know other measures, there's a half-life of your immunoglobulin or your immune response that takes about 21 days for it to decrease. Wow. And so after you take that substance out for three weeks or more, when you reintroduce it or you're exposed to it, your body remembers like a vaccine. It's like, oh no, no, let me give you a big signal that I don't want gluten in my body. Mm -hmm. So you might flare with a rash or have brain fog or get anxious or have irritable bowels. So it's your body's way of saying, please, please don't put this back in my mm -hmm. body. So it's interesting that you have that with hand sanitizer. <laughs> um, you know, enhanced sanitizer with the triclosins can be just awful. I like some of the ones that they do at Whole Foods. I think they smell really nice. Um, at, Whole, at Whole Foods, it's a good go-to place for hand sanitizer. At least that's where we get ours. I've never tried theirs. I actually buy the Young Living Thieves hand sanitizer because they have these small travel pack and I just stick them in my scrubs at work. And I, I can't use the hand sanitizers on the wall at work and my bosses know that. So they're, they've approved me to carry these little bitty hands. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And they also aren't drying. Like a, the hand sanitizers tend to also dry your skin out, which then my skin cracks and then we've got a whole nother issue. So. Yes. Yes. 
Well, good. Well, it's wonderful that your um, place of business is is supporting your health and you're in scrubs. So, you know, you must work in a place where... Uh, well, the other alternative was my hands were on fire. They were bright beet red and we were all looking at them going, oh my goodness, what are we going to do with that? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Gosh, and that's your, you know, your skin is your largest organ in your body and yeah. it's the place where you're absorbing from your outside environment, you know? So... Your skin is not to be taken for granted. No, absolutely. Well, is there anything else that you want to talk about? I, you have covered so much. I have so many notes here, um, but I don't want to leave anything out. If there's something else, please feel free to share. You know, I think I'll leave you with this. Um, I see a lot of parents coming in with kids that are struggling, that there is a lot of guilt, mm -hmm. there is a lot of shame, and there's a lot of regret. And how, what has happened, how things are going, and a lot of just doubting if they're a good parent or they're doing the right thing. And I would say parents, wherever you are with your children that are struggling, you know, my assumption is you're doing the best that you can with the tools that you have. Mm -hmm. So we got to live the guilt and the shame at the door. And once you have new information, just embrace it and move forward and forgive yourself and forgive wherever you've been and, and the failures that you've had and just take a positive approach and take things one day at a time with making positive changes moving forward. And when you have that approach and you can take a step back and just take a deep breath and do, you know, make it one day at a time, you know, over time, things really, really start to improve. And if there's anything that we know about life and our children is that we can guarantee that change is always around the corner. <laughs> yes. Wow. That is so sweet. Thank you, Emily. I really appreciate that as a mom. And I think you're right. It is, we are so hard on ourselves as parents. And if we are always just trying, just trying to improve, then that's good enough. It's, you, nobody's perfect at any of this. And, um, but we hold a lot of pressure on our own selves to try to perfect parenting. And I've yet to meet anybody who's perfect at it. <laughs> no. And it is, it, it is the most, it's the hardest job I've ever had. And it is absolutely the most rewarding job I've ever mm -hmm. had, but it's not all rainbows and butterflies every day, you know, <laughs> so just have to never give up and, and, and lead with love. Yeah. Thank you so much, Emily, for joining me today. I have truly enjoyed this conversation. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you for having me on and good luck to you and your podcast and everything else. Thanks for listening today. If you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes and leave me a review. This podcast is for you, the parent of that kid. So go ahead. Tell me what you liked about this episode. Give me some ideas on what you'd like to hear. Maybe you have somebody you'd like me to ask those nitty-gritty questions to. I'm ready. Oh, and if you have a friend who is also the parent of that kid, click that share button and empower them with some tools and tips as well. And by the way, imperfect parent, I know parenting that kid is hella hard, but I'm telling you, it's worth it. You are rocking this parenting journey. <laughs>